Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. I'm Kurt Heelan, managing editor of the NBA page at NBC with you as always. And today, man, it's time to start talking about... We're at the quarter pole of the season, quarter way into the season, who's been the surprises? Who have been the positive teams that were just, hey, I didn't expect them to be this good. And on the flip side, who've been the biggest disappointments so far? And and to go through all of that, we've got Dan Feldman from NBC Sports going to be here. Uh, first, I just wanted to let you know, the greatest show on grass returns as golf's biggest stars head to Phoenix for the Waste Management Open. Coverage begins today. That's Thursday on the Golf Channel. Don't miss the premiere of NBC Sports Edge BetCast. It's a whole new way to watch golf. Get a better view with insights and analysis plus live odds powered by PointsBet. It's a big deal. It's actually going to be a fun way to watch golf. Get inside the action at PeacockTV.com slash golf. That's PeacockTV.com slash golf. And with that, Let's move on and uh, talk a little basketball with Dan Feldman. How you doing today, Dan? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, there certainly have been some surprises to start the season. Some teams we've been uh, that weren't as good as we thought they were, and some certainly some disappointments to start the season. Um, we'll start off. I, look, I feel like we've got to start with the good news. So if we're going to start with the good news, uh, we have not discussed this. We've each got three teams that we think are. Um, we're calling surprises positives and three teams we're disappointed in. We have not discussed them. We'll see how much overlap we've got. Dan, I'll let you start your big, your, 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 at the top of your surprise list. It's the Memphis Grizzlies. They're nine. Yeah, seven, they're on my list too. Fifth, yeah. in the, fifth, fifth in the Western Conference. Uh, they've done this with John Morant being injured a significant amount of time. Jaron Jackson Jr. hasn't played yet. Justice yep. Winslow hasn't played yet. Uh, but they're defending very well. Uh, they've got the right combination of aggressive defense uh, and sound defense. They're not selling out just to force turnovers, but they're still forcing a lot of turnovers, putting a lot of pressure on the ball, uh, defending solidly behind that, uh, getting enough offense because they're running off of those turnovers. Like we keep writing off the Grizzlies uh, last year, even when they were they had that that. Uh, you know, well, they started slow, but once they got up, you know, into that playoff range, I, everybody, including myself, was like, well, they'll fall off. Like, it's a nice moment for them. It, it's good that they're doing this, but they'll fall off. Like, the real teams will make it. And it wasn't until, like, the very end of the bubble that they did. And maybe if we finished the regular season normally, they wouldn't have at all. This year, again, I predicted, oh, okay, well, they had a nice year, but they'll come back to earth a little bit. They're still a little too young, and then they'll build back up. No, they're right there. They they have the mentality for this at, at minimum. They do. And like you said, the fourth ranked defense in the NBA so far, just uh, using the basketball reference numbers, a positive net rating, uh, which puts them ahead of a lot of teams. It is surprising. Um, first off, like you said, look, John Morant's been John Morant, and that's that's not all that shocking. But they've been getting good offense. I think sometimes we sleep on guys like Jonas Valanciunas, just providing something solid in the middle, giving him 14 points a night. But also defensively, just kind of an anchor in there and helping on that end. And then their young guys, Dylan Brooks has been phenomenal. Brandon Clark has been good. Kyle Anderson just provides something for them. DeAndre Melton's had his moments. Uh, Desmond Bain, where'd they find this guy? <laughs> Desmond Bain shooting 50% from three uh, as a rookie. Uh, they're just finding guys who are making contributions one way or another. And like you said, they're kind of running off of this and it's all working. And now they're getting healthy. Well, where where did they find uh, Desmond Bain? They found him number twenty one on my draft board. Not to toot my own horn <laughs> too much, uh, he got picked lower than that. Uh, no, I 
I mean, look, if Valentunas has been good for them, I, I think he's one of the more underrated players in the league, especially as a regular season player, but he's missed a quarter of their games. John Morant has yep. missed half of their games. This is such a deep team. Uh, I like how DeAnthony Melton plays. I, I think he is, in a lot of ways, you know, uh, him, Tyus Jones, like, yeah, John Morant's going to get the headlines at guard and is their best player. Uh, but the way they they put pressure on the ball, I think that starts with Melton and Jones. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Brooks, to be honest, I mean, it's always a fine line with him. You said he's playing well. I, I think like that's that's the one guy in their uh, rotation where it's questionable. Uh, he his true yeah. shooting percentage is just forty seven, uh, and with a like a massive usage up near twenty eight. And it's always questionable with him. Like, is he taking too many bad shots, or does he have to take too many bad shots? This isn't a team with a ton of offensive creators out you know especially outside of John Morant when Morant's out so it's always a fine line with with Brooks I think he's on the wrong side of it right now which gives some potential but also there's a degree of this is who he is like he is a gunner yeah I think that that's kind of who he is and I I, they Brandon Clark has not really taken a step forward for them in his second year I mean he's not been terrible he's been he's been okay but uh, he's he is what he is as well um but like you said, it kind of just all comes back to the defense for them. And they just – the ball pressure, the smart play. And, and now that they've got – look, now that they've got John Morant back on a regular basis, he really is just dynamic. He really just drives that offense. And he is one of he's, – he's fast out climbing my list of, like, players I just enjoy watching, right? Like, he's uh, – like, guys I will just stop on league pass because they're entertaining. Like, it, on top of being a really good player, it's just fun to watch him go. You know who else enjoys how he plays? The other Grizzlies. It's clear that his yes. his energy, his enthusiasm, uh, his daring style, like that's all contagious. He is such a driver of what they do. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, do you think um, as we as we speak right now, as we record this, they are actually the five seed in the West? Uh, they would be able to dodge even having to be in a play in game. That still feels a tad optimistic for them, even though that that's actually, you know, look, that's what their point differential suggests they should be. I mean, they're not like playing over their heads with how they're, you know, they're not getting lucky per se, right? Like this has been about what they are still. I, maybe that's the goal is the goal for them to hold on to one of those spots where they don't have to, they don't have to go battle through a play in game against, Golden State or San Antonio or, or Houston, who's suddenly playing well, or you got to think Dallas is going to fight their way up into them. I'm sure we'll be talking about them later. Uh, so, but you know, there's going to be some good teams in that play, and you'd like to avoid it. Yeah, I mean, I I think that would be a tremendous success for the Grizzlies yeah. if they avoid the play and to make the playoffs. I think that's unlikely. Uh, yeah, but you look at the teams behind them. Uh, you know, I'd say, you know, Phoenix maybe can jump them, but they still have some margin for error, right? It's top six. So they could drop one. But beyond that, like none of those other teams behind them, I'm like, yep, they're going to get there. Uh, the Mavericks would, again, we'll talk more about them, but they're the ones like I felt best about going into the year and you can still see their untapped potential, but they're also way down in 13th. Like of all the teams with a chance, they're the worst. They have the most ground to make up. Uh, the Grizzlies are in the driver's seat. I take the field over them for getting one of those top six slots. Uh, but if I'm just naming teams, I think I'd have the Grizzlies got right around that six mark. I'm not sure on which side. Yeah. I think, I think, look, like you said, Phoenix is good, obviously. And, and I don't think that their 11 and nine record is unsustainable. Portland, Portland right now is trying to keep their head above water. Right. And I, and they're four and four without uh, CJ McCollum now and, and Yusuf Nurkic, if they can keep their heads above water and get healthy, that's a team that certainly can be, better than they've been um that, that franchise is just snake bit man <laughs> um with injuries um but aside that i like i don't think the spurs are rocketing up the rankings i don't think the warriors are rocketing up the rankings they don't even have a center for the next two weeks houston i don't think is rocketing up so i i'm with you i i think that memphis has a shot and if worst if you're one of the if the way the play-in works this way you're if you're the, the seven and eight seed, will play each other. Winner advances as the seven seed. The eight seed has a second game against the winner of the nine versus ten. The two teams that would not have made the playoffs in the old older system, they play each other. Losers out. Winner advances to a one game win in your in situation. If you're Memphis and you're in that situation, basically you have to lose two games not to make it. 
possible, but you stand a decent chance of being able to win one of those two, too. So uh, they're putting themselves in a really good spot this year, um, which is why I think they were on both of our lists. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I do like this play in term because it adds importance to the regular season. Like each yeah, slot does. is significantly more important than the one below it. Absolutely. Um, well, we both had them on their list, so we'll move to number two on your list of uh, teams that, from the play-in. Or, or, or two teams from the play-in. See, I'm still talking about it. Number two on your list of positive surprises. Uh, it's the Cavaliers. Uh, yeah, the, now we're two for two. Yep. I, I'm going to guess we're going to be different at number three. But I, I like how yeah. they're playing. Um, their guards ha- have taken the next step. Colin Sex- yes. Sexton, Darius Garland. Uh, Sexton has improved so much during his career. I, like we can talk about just how awful he was when he started uh, as a rookie. Like he was in so far over his head and improved so much during his rookie year, improved last year. Uh, Darius Garland made a big jump from, from last year. They've got a lot of front court players making contributions, uh, probably led by Andre Drummond, who's already supplanted by Jared Allen as the Cavs center of the future, but Drummond's still playing well overall right now. Yeah. Larry Nance is playing well. Torian Prince has surprisingly played well uh, after coming over in that trade. Uh, a lot of things going right for them. I, you know, I, I do think maybe they're not quite as good at, as the pace they're on it, but I, you know, I, they're 10 and 12 yeah. right now, right in the middle of that Eastern conference. Uh, but to be at this point, I think is impressive for them. I, I picked, I don't know if I picked them dead last in the East, but I had them near it at the minimum. Yeah. I was going to say, I had them as one of the bottom couple of teams and they have really have surprised. And it's another team much like Memphis. They're driven by defense, right? This is a top 10 defensive team so far this year. That's doing a, a really nice job um, on that end of the floor. I, I think the other, look, we've got to ask, the serious question with them: Are we sticking? Are we sticking with the sex land uh, moniker for the backcourt? Or is that is that I, they don't like it? By the way, apparently they are not fans. Well, to a certain degree, I don't really care whether they like it or not. Like <laughs> it, it, <laughs> to a certain degree, I do care. I mean, it's just a nickname. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if if that's if that's really going to work. Um, but back to the thing, they're driving the they're driving this with defense. They're doing. By the way, it's 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 been a really strong half court defense. They have been slowing teams down. They've been fine in transition, but they've been really good as a half court defensive team. That's why they're in the top ten. And I think a lot of that is yes, they've got athletic guards, but Andre Drummond's having a really nice season. I mean, he really is having a uh, look. He's always been, frankly if not the best rebounder in the NBA, one of the two or three best rebounders in the NBA for a while now. Uh, But he's contributing nicely on points. And defensively, he just, he's kind of developed into that, we've got a big guy in the paint who can alter and deter shots, right? And, And there is a real value to just not letting people have easy shots at the rim. And they, they do that. And now, like you said, with Jared Allen, it's going to work. You also mentioned the biggest surprise to me, Larry Nance. Like I've always kind of liked Larry Nance's game, but he has really become a, a, a important part of their rotation this season. Yeah, and and not only is he playing well, like I thought, okay, you, you got to have him, you know, more of a post player, more of a big. He's doing it more as a uh, a forward combo forward ish. Uh, yeah, you know, playing a little more on the perimeter, defending on the perimeter. Uh, he he's developed in that way, and I think that's a lot of why their defense is good. They have good size. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and we talked about the league going smaller. Size is still important, and especially regular season defense. Size still goes a long way. Uh, interestingly about their rebounding, though, they're not a good defensive rebounding team. I'm with you. Drummond is one of the best, if not the best, rebounders in the league. Uh, yeah. But a lot of times, this was true in Detroit, too. He's so good, sometimes his teammates just watch him get the rebounds, get in that habit. Yeah. And it doesn't always lead to the best team rebounding. No, actually, they are dead last in the league in defensive rebounding. Uh, so just number of rebounds, grab a game and first in offensive, which is kind of, uh, which is kind of interesting. But again, I think that their offensive rebounding is a place you can find some value. If you've got, you know, Ennis Cantor does this um, as well. Like if you're good at it, it does really disrupt the other team and, and their desire to, to get out and run. Like you've suddenly got to have guys in there making sure the board is the glass is sealed off. So, um, 
there's there's uh, something to the idea too of uh, well, they miss a lot of shots and so they get a lot of practice going for offensive yeah, rebounds. That's, true. that's the part of this why I wonder how sustainable it is for Cleveland. Uh, they, their their offense has not been good. I think as much as we've talked about the step forward by Sexton as a playmaker and Garland and, and Sexton showed it last season. The, the second half of last season, Colin Sexton started to really kind of come together. You could say, hey, this guy's developing into a quality point guard and a leader and um, defending well. He defended he defended well last night uh, against the Clippers and against Kawhi Leonard. It just didn't matter. Um, Kawhi is one of those <laughs> – when he gets to a spot, man, it just doesn't matter who's in his face. Um, but Darius Garland's the one that surprised me because Garland was – flat out awful last year. And I thought he'd improve, but I didn't know that it would be this much. He's, he's really taken a big step forward this season. Exactly. I mean, he barely played at Vanderbilt, so it wasn't shocking that he had a rough rookie year coming off injury. Uh, but it usually takes a little more time to get up to speed than this. This is a pretty big jump. And, you know, I wonder if there's an influence there from, from Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton is a great worker. You know, all, all the intangibles you want has shown that track yeah. record improvement. And, I'm still not totally convinced those two can play together. I'm not sure there's enough size there, uh, you know, if it works stylistically to have both of them. Maybe they both settle in as point guards, especially, as you said, Sexton has continued to improve as a playmaker. You know, Sexton definitely uh, is comfortable with the ball in his hands, but to Sexton's credit, has grown more comfortable playing off the ball, too. That's a big part of of why this is working. Uh, so maybe there's a little bit of a battle there for which one is going to be the uh, the guard of the future in Cleveland. When you look at Cleveland in the standings, they are currently kind of tied for seventh with... Uh, look, there's three teams right in there that I'm really curious about. Uh, Charlotte, Cleveland, and New York have all, you know, all within half a game of each other um, would be in the play-in tournaments right now. I don't... <sighs> I'm curious about all of them being able to maintain um, maintain this spot in the standings and stay in the play-in mix. Uh, is there a team you think is more likely to fall off among those three, or is is yep. I guess is I know which one you're going to go with. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but the um, you think the Cavaliers can hold? Because I kind of think Charlotte. I don't think it's a fluke with Charlotte. I think yeah. that you know, Lamelo Ball has been um, gets all these headlines and stuff, but but they're getting good playmaking from Gordon Hayward when he's healthy and, and kind of solid all around play. And it's not just the, you know, we look at the highlights with, um, you know, it's fun to watch LaMelo and, and Miles Bridges <laughs> play together and the dunks that come, but that's a solid team right now. Uh, I don't Cleveland. I just don't know if they're going to score enough to hold into that spot. Yeah, I agree. I do think Charlotte has the best chance. I don't think the Cavs are going to stay there. Uh, but they played well so far. I mean, I think that's just what we're evaluating the surprise, yeah, exactly. like how, how good they've been so far. And I did check. We both had them dead last in the East. Jeez, um, yeah. And, and so for them to even be in this mix at this point is impressive. I, I had the Hornets, you know, not quite this good, uh, but I, I think the Hornets are, are the most solid team of that mix. And I do have a hunch, given how you talked about them generally, uh, that the other team in this mix that we haven't gotten to, I'm guessing they're on your list of surprisingly good teams. Yeah, in fact, we'll just we'll just we can just transition into them, then we'll get to your third. I do have the Knicks there uh, at as the third team. Just Tom Thibodeau has turned them into a solid top ten, or six in the league right now, a solid defensive team who just doesn't beat itself that much. Um, and they've kind of offensively, that's been the hey, okay, it's it's the Julius Randle show most nights, and he's putting up the twenty two points a game, and it's a it's. I don't want to say it's pure counting stats because I think he's been pretty efficient, frankly, like league average efficient considering his usage rate. That's not bad. I don't know if they're going to be able to sustain this, but this is another team that makes the leap from where I thought they'd be to just being a solid, smart, disciplined team is a big leap. And then there's looking forward. Look, I don't know that you know, we talk about Randall getting their points. I don't know that he's part of the future, but Emmanuel quickly is. I mean, I, you watch Emmanuel quickly and you're like, he fits that. You know, we've talked about this a few times, Dan. He, he, we can add him to the list of players we saw coming out of Kentucky. We're like, I don't know. How good is he really? With Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo and a whole list of guys. Then they get in the NBA and it turns out John Calipari is like 
loaded with talent, keeps them in a box, and they get into the NBA and can do more stuff. And you're like, oh, wow, that guy's got a lot of skill. Yep. Uh, quickly did not make my my uh, first-round draft board, but uh, maybe this is a, a cop-out. I only look at so many prospects, and so I tend to say, okay, well, these people who are much smarter than me at the draft, the Sam Vecinis, Jonathan Vagonis, yeah. Mike Schmitz, everybody in that group, yeah. I, I need to see at least somebody have them in the first round before I like spend time doing an eval on them, and nobody had quickly yeah. uh, that high. So I never even looked at him, never even considered him. So lesson learned, because, yeah, we've talked about the Kentucky guys, and usually that means, oh, a guy's a first-round prospect, I just bump him up a little now i think i gotta look at everybody at kentucky maybe i wouldn't have seen it either i'm not saying i would have but man he he deserved a look he can shoot and we're just seeing a lot more on ball ability than i think he he had a chance to show at kentucky all right but let me let me throw some cold water on the knicks look at they're better than i thought they're better than i thought but the reason they didn't make my top three in a nutshell uh opponents are shooting 31 percent on pointers. that's the that's the yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, you've got. Yeah, the I mean, that's just usually doesn't get sustained. Uh, every study we've shown has three point defense is about limiting the number of attempts. It's not so much about preventing the makes. Like teams just yep. generally are not good at that over the long run. Over a short sample, yes, absolutely. Some team is going to allow only thirty one percent. It happens to be the Knicks. I think they're in pretty far over their head. They're decent. They could make the play-in. I wouldn't be surprised at all at this point if they make the play-in. I did expect them to be solid defensively. Uh, they're about sixth in the league right now. I don't think it's going to hold up that strong. I think it's going to come back down to earth. I think their offense uh, is not good overall. Julius Randle's playing well, doing a lot for them. Part of the reason he has such a big load is because the offensive players around him overall yeah. aren't that good. Are you saying that R.J. Barrett has not taken a step forward? Uh, no, no, no. I do think he's taking a step forward. I think he's taking a, a decent step forward, but I think people uh, underrate how bad he was last year. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't even have him on one of my all-rookie teams because I'm a believer in all-rookie teams are about what you did as a rookie. I'm not trying to project forward. Uh, you know, it's not based yeah. on promise. I just want to say, hey, how good were you as a rookie? There's an accomplishment of coming into the league ready to play. Uh and he was terrible. I didn't even yeah. have him close to being on one of my, well, maybe I had him close. I mean, you get 10 slots. <laughs> By the 10th, you get to number 10, the rookie might be terrible. The, the, also, second, the second team all rookie is usually a bit a bit of a... Right. There's some, it, some guys who make it who, are, who had rough seasons. In, in defense of Barrett, the Knicks keep putting him in bad positions with, with not yeah. a lot of facing around him. It's not built to yeah. work, but that's the point. That's why I'm not a believer in their offense this year, and uh, nor am a believer in how good their defense has been, although I think that'll be a fairly solid above-average unit in the end. Yeah, and by the way, you're getting this much out of R.J. Barrett. He is putting up counting stats. He's got the 17.8 a game. Um 27.1% from three, a 50.8, well below league average, true shooting percentage. He's still not efficient. He's just better than he was. Uh, but I, look, you're, I'm not looking at him thinking, yeah, that guy's going to be a cornerstone anchor of whatever the Knicks are in the future. I think he could be a piece, but I don't think he's, I, I don't think he's going to quite live up to his draft status. Speaking of that, by the way, one other Nick worth mentioning Obi Toppin, I was much higher on him coming into this draft, and he was, like we've said before, he was older, so we thought he'd adjust faster. Um, not so much. Yeah, I was uh, relatively low on him. I had him 12th on my board, um, so I'm not shocked. But, you know, that's that's really so much more important to the Knicks. Like, if players like him, uh, can Kevin Knox get it together? Where does uh, R.J. Barrett actually go from here? Uh, you know at least they've got Dallas's pick, another team I'm sure we'll talk about later. Yes, uh, they they do have that. So who was third on your surprise, positive surprise list? Uh, my third was the Spurs. God's uh, uh, good choice, yes. The Spurs are 12 and 10. They're eighth in the Western Conference. And this is, look, at, I basically had two teams that I feel really surprised by, and those were the, the first two that we mentioned, the Grizzlies and the Cavs. Uh, the Spurs, are, I think, yeah. are more of a distant third, but they are better than I expected. DeMar DeRozan is playing really well. I just kind of thought this team was going to hit in the wrong blend of, they just seem with their veterans, they seem kind of stale and they seem maybe ready to turn over the young players who didn't quite have enough star power, weren't quite ready enough to, to do something significant, but it's coming together just enough. You know, I, I'm not saying this is some great team, but it's coming together enough. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it's, they've been 
okay on offense, okay on defense, but what's really driven them is the bench play. They have been probably the best bench in the league, led by Patty Mills coming in off the bench and just being phenomenal, but Rudy Gay has been great there. They're getting a lot out of Joachim Pirtle off the bench. He's had to start a couple of games, but he's mostly been a bench guy. Their bench comes in and just rolls teams, and Patty Mills is having an underrated season. He has been absolutely phenomenal and is, I think you've got to at least have him in your sixth man of the year discussion at this point. I think Um, we'll see if he can sustain it. And there's some other guys on that list, but he's been fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely. A contender for that award. Uh, And it's a depth of the bench too. I mean, it's several players coming off the bench, making contributions. I mean, you know, all all the way down to, to Trey Lyles comes in and then helps sometimes like this is a, a fairly deep team. That's a model the Spurs have used before, you know, being having the reserve seemingly be better than their starters, but there's also something to their starters, at least uh, keeping it close. Right. Like, and a lot of that's under Rosen. Uh, He looked uncomfortable in the Spurs system last year. Not true this year. Like he, he is attacking. He he's, distributing he's even shooting some three pointers he just looks like uh the old demar Derozan, very much in control offensively uh they also have one of those kentucky guys uh, kelvin johnson's been fantastic this season um, another guy who didn't didn't show out like that at kentucky necessarily uh but man alive he has been fantastic for them 14.6 points a game uh solid from three but just keeps just efficient for them getting buckets night in and night out and finding a way to, to impact games on both ends. Uh, a very Popovichian player like that is Popovichian a word. We're going with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but another guy who like, you didn't necessarily see him that way coming out of Kentucky and he's been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. He's the young player who's made the leap this year. And, you know, uh, he got a lot of attention in the bubble for, for playing well and, you know, making yeah. some strides and has co- just continued from there. I'm not sure I saw this level of, of scoring from him, right? He's like, in a lot of ways, like a hustle player, makes some little plays here and there, contributes uh, on the class, passes some. Uh, but now to add that scoring element, and he's still doing those other things. He's an impressive young player. He is. He absolutely is. And the Spurs, by the way, I was going to say, do we count the Spurs as a team that makes the play-in or playoff? Yeah, we do, because they're the Spurs. <laughs> but I am not counting the Spurs out. I expect them to be in the play-in somehow. The, the, the Greg Popovich is too good at this. Uh, they can't go far because it will start to mess with his Olympics. Um, you know, He's joked about that. Um, it will start to mess with the, his ability to coach the Olympic team, but I don't think he has to worry too much about that. I don't think they're lasting long in the postseason. But they, I think that they're at least a play-in team. Uh, I do too. I mean, neither of us had them there going no. into the season. We both had them 13th in the West. So this isn't like terribly shocking that we think they're going to be in that seven to 10 range up from 13. I, I think we both had some teams grouped there, uh, but yeah, they're, they're exceeding expectations. Well, let's have them. Let's move on to the more fun. It's always more fun to pan a movie. And I, I spent part of high school and college writing movie reviews, which I'm horrible at for the record. Um, <laughs> but the one thing I got out of that, it's much more fun to rip someone and rip a than a movie. Than, it was more fun to cover bad movies than good ones. Um, so let's move on to the bad teams. Uh, Dan, at the top of your, man, I am just disappointed in these guys' list, is? The Dallas Mavericks. Uh, we, yeah. we hinted at it before. But yep. man, they just do not seem to have the same life about them. They were supposed to defend better this year. They upgraded their offensive personnel. That hasn't translated yet. And their offense has fallen off a cliff. Uh, we can get into reasons why, but disappointing on both ends of the floor. Yeah, very much so. Uh, to be fair to them, they have been wrecked by COVID. And I think a couple of teams we might discuss that, that it, injuries and, the, and you know, not having Kristaps Porzingis for the first, I think it was nine games of the season he missed. But not having him to start the season certainly set them back. Um, not having continuity has hurt them. But it's a weird thing to say. They really miss Seth Curry. Like, they, they kind of made that Je- Seth Curry for Josh you know, Richardson swap. Like, and you you swap out shooting for a guy who's more of a cutter. It's, you know, Richardson can sh- Richardson's taking threes, I guess, but he's hitting 27.1% of them this year. You're not spacing the floor. Luke is struggling from three. And so teams are packing it in a little against them, and it's it's hurting. But they 
they just missed the shooting and the floor spacing that Seth Curry brought. And I think that that's one of the things, if they're going to make a move at the deadline, they've got to go. A lot of teams need to go find shooting, but they have got to find a way to space the floor a little better to open things up. Well, first of all, I'm not going to stand for this Seth Curry disrespect. Uh, it's not that surprising that they miss him. He's a good player. He's yeah, exactly. Is. I guess I should. I didn't mean it that way. Yes. <laughs> I know. I, I think the reason they miss him so much, though, is because players that they were counting on to shoot better aren't like if Luka Doncic were shooting better than 29%, if Porzingis were shooting better than 29%, uh, they might not miss Seth Curry so much. And it's not just, I mean, like you said, Josh Richardson at 27% is a disappointment. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith has slipped down to 33%. Uh, you know, he's playing a big role because yep. he's so good defensively. He's going to have those three-point looks. If he made them at the rate, he made them last year of all these players shot how they did last year. Like then it would make a lot more sense. The trade-off they made of, all right, we're going to take a little bit of downgrade and shooting uh, and in, in exchange, get a big defensive upgrade in Josh Richardson. I think an overall upgrade, at least that's how it looked on paper. Uh, but as long as everybody else isn't shooting well, then it's magnified. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Is really the only one who's shooting well. So is uh, Maxi Kleba, uh, but he's been hurt. And, and so that, that's some of it. Uh, I, I, yeah. I mean, you're right. Some of this is coronavirus uh, related, but I, I don't think that's all of it. Uh, no. I mean, look at Doncic's body language has been pretty poor throughout the year. His frustration has shown. I think that's uh, put a damper on the team. And some of this is like all these things overlap and connect. Uh, the lack of floor spacing. They're not like moving the ball and cutting and a zippy offensively in the same way as they were last year it's harder without the same floor spacing uh, it's also harder when players are frustrated and, and when it, it's not having it also frustrates you it, it all loops together yeah and by the way the defense hasn't gotten better um and that, that was a big part of this like you said i think their plan was Doncic isn't Doncic is a, a solid defender just because he's big right like he's six eight and he's smart enough to kind of be in the right place and and his length helps him cover some guys but that was the idea man we've got richardson we got finley smith uh, and we got some size. You know, we'll have Porzingis, and then behind him, you know, Kleba, Maxi Powell. We'll have some size in the paint, and all that's going to come together in a really good defensive team. Not only did they struggle when they were missing players, I just looked it up over at uh, Cleaning the Glass. Their last two weeks, you know, last eight games, they're 29th in the league in defense. Still, their defense is still pretty dreadful right now. And they're not getting the offensive punch that they were kind of counting on from some of this. I think, was there a sentiment, do you think, that, man, we got Luka Doncic, our offense is going to be fine. Even if we take half of some of this away from him, we're still going to be so good because he's so good, and then we can be better defensively. And they haven't been better defensively, but it turns out you're going to have to have some players with Doncic too, that, and that the shooting will come around for some of these guys, but it's it's an issue. I, I wonder whether some of the defensive issues, when we're just looking at the numbers, it's easier to defend after a make than a miss. And so with their offense down, I mean, their offense was, you know, greatest of all time last year. I wonder if that helped make their defense last year look even better than it fundamentally was. And so this year, now that they're missing more, uh, turning over more offensively, uh, I wonder if that's just making their defensive numbers look worse when maybe their actual defensive ability is a little bit better. Just That's a little better, though. It should be much more than just a little better. Yeah. Um, they've actually been 17th in the league. I'll just bounce it around on, um, in, half, in transition defense, um, or points allowed per possession, and not a ton of running on them. So it, not as bad as you would think in that, but I think that there is something to that, into the idea that before you had to go up against their set defense, and now you don't. Um, you, you, get to, you get a few more... Just those couple of easy buckets a game go a long way into making life difficult. Exactly. Um, oh, so uh, do you think, you know, they, we, you mentioned it earlier with them. Do you, I, mean, I was going to say, do you think they turn it around? I think they get better, but I think that they've also, they're 9-13. and 13. They, that doesn't certainly preclude them from getting up into the play-in, but in a deep conference where there's no nights off and like suddenly Sacramento's playing well the last, you know, couple of weeks and, and Oklahoma city's feisty ahead. It's not going to be easy to climb up and they've dug themselves a hole. Yeah. I, I think they probably dug themselves too big of a hole probably to get into that top six. I, yeah. I do think they're fairly likely to make the play in though. I mean, they've got the talent to pass some, uh, 
most of these teams ahead of them in, in that range. Uh, but again, like we were talking about, there's a big difference between being seventh versus eighth versus ninth versus tenth. And, and so, yep. you know, how far into the plane they can get, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not sure how far they can climb up there. And it's like I said, it's just not going to be easy because the West is deep enough that it's it, you're going to get challenged. You're going to have to you're going to have to leapfrog some decent teams that are that are doing better. Um, Everybody's talking about you know will there be fans in the building by the playoffs and uh, maybe the people are somewhat including this, but it's a big deal for the play in too. That's the big difference between seventh versus yes. eighth, ninth versus tenth. Uh, to have that home court for that one single winner advances game that's a big deal that is a big deal and i think doesn't it feel like there will be some fans i don't think you're gonna have you know eighteen thousand or whatever the building holds you know at, at those games but just having some will be a boost and you can see them you can see players kind of playing to the crowd and, and getting energized in the places you know atlanta utah um you know uh Le- lebron james is making friends courtside like there's, there's um, there are the fans are impacting games. I, well, I this is not a prediction, but I hope we have enough vaccinated people to fill these. Yeah, by the, that. you and me both. You and me both, man. Uh, all right, we agreed there, and I think we're going to agree on one of the other ones for sure. But uh, who's number two on your on your list of disappointments? Uh, I'm guessing we'll agree. The Miami Heat are that seven. Be, that, I think that was the clear one, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. They're seven fourteen. They're thirteenth in the East. Uh, coronavirus has been a problem. Uh, Jimmy Butler's missed a lot of time uh, for undisclosed reasons, but I think we can do some math there on how long yeah. he's been out in the health and safety protocols. Um, but they haven't been quite good enough, even with him, even when they've had their players. Uh, I, I was pretty down on what their season last year, their run to the finals meant going forward for this season. Uh, I was fairly low on the heat relative to most people. I didn't expect them to be this down though. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they have certainly battled injuries, like you said, and, and another along, they join Dallas as the good team's kind of hardest hit by this, but it hasn't really mattered um, even when they've gotten guys back, it just has not been the same. They are a bottom 10 offensive team and a bottom 10 defensive team, which is just for whatever you thought of them going into this season, it's, <laughs> it's really, I, we expected them to be better than this. Uh, I, Bam Adebayo might be the lone kind of bright spot for them. Yeah. I mean, he, he's progressing nicely. Uh, as you'd hope to see, but it's not much beyond that. Tyler Hero has has not quite picked up where he left off in the bubble. I think they missed Jay Crowder, uh, unsurprisingly. Goran Dragic, this is one of the reasons why I was down on the team. Like, he... He's getting a little older, but he he played with so much verve in, in the bubble, and you know he's not replicating that last or this year. Uh, he hasn't totally been healthy, uh, but when he's playing, he hasn't looked sharp enough. Uh, I I think in some ways, you know, th- there's obviously the young players like Bam and, and Tyler Hero, but I think some of the the Heat's older players are are aging in uh, aging and it's showing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Goran Dragic is a guy with a long injury history, so him. Missing a little bit of time isn't a surprise. He's actually supposed to be, I think he's supposed to be back Wednesday night. Um, he was listed as day-to-day. I think he, I don't I don't know off the top of my head. I think he was probable for tonight. I thought I saw that. But, uh, you know, last season they got really nice play from most of the season out of Kendrick Nunn at the point guard, which let them bring Goran Dragic off the bench. Nunn has he, he regressed in the bubble, has really re- continued that regression. Uh, Andre Iguodala looks a little bit older. Um, their events are bright spots, by the way. The other, the other bright spot, Presses Achua, they they might have something there. Yeah, yeah, he's coming in as a rookie, contributing. Uh, they're not asking him to do too much. He's doing honestly a little more than I thought he could do with his all around game. But yeah, he he's playing well for them. Uh, you know, I still like. You know, first of all, I just want to say like I, I think they deserve so much credit and respect for what they accomplished last year. Yeah, I'm just talking about how predictive it was, and but I think that's good for their young players to have had that experience and they'll continue to build on that because they've built this culture, right? It's the type of culture that's why they they did well last year in a tough environment because you know they get tough players and foster that environment and that culture and it builds on itself. And so I, I think there's a lot of good signs in the long run. Uh, but their veteran players just aren't playing quite well enough this year. And maybe Butler coming back, getting back into a groove, like he has 
individually been pretty good uh, in his, his limited playing time. It just hasn't translated to team success enough. Uh, maybe that'll improve. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised one bit if the Heat wind up in the playoffs even. Uh, yeah. Even more so than just the play-in. But so far, uh, it has not been good. Speaking of that, their one of their big offseason moves was to go get Avery Bradley away from the Lakers. Uh, he has not lived up to billing yet. And part of that, again, is he's played in only 10, 10 games so far. He's missed a lot of time. But it, just not making the kind of impact I think they needed him to make uh, coming in. Uh, he's He's been kind of a below-average guy who's – they need him on both ends. He was supposed to kind of fit the culture, and it just hasn't worked. And so – you can, you can put Mo Harkless in everything you just said also. Yes, exactly. Um, so the, just the, the guys they thought would step up have not stepped up. Um, I think, though, this is the difference in the East and the West. I do think from 7 and 14, their chances of climbing over Orlando, Chicago, New York, who we you know talked about as a surprise, but we're concerned about the consistency. My, uh, Cleveland and their, and their offensive struggles. Like it seems more, it seems easier for them than say Dallas, who's got to hop better teams to get up into that into that play in. Um, it seems like Miami could. There's still you know 50 games give or take left in the season. Uh, there's plenty of time for them to kind of I don't want to say flip the switch, but to find their rhythm and groove and win enough to get back up into at least a good play in position, if not the actual playoffs. Yep, definitely with you. I mean, it's just different picture in the East. Uh, I am curious who your your third team is uh, for disappointment because again, like with surprise, I th- I had two yes. that were I think far above and away, and that's the Mavericks and Heat. Uh, it was a little tougher to pick a third. I'm I am absolutely with you on that. Um, I, I've struggled a little bit with this one too because I'm like, who who did I think was going to be better than? They have. I toyed with the idea that Milwaukee's not as good, but they're still thirteen and eight. I can't. I couldn't throw them in there. Um, and at the end of the day, um, I'm going with Toronto, um, who I think will be again another team that I think will kind of start to turn it around. But they are nine and twelve, um, and have needed some. They just haven't. The, the offense has been pretty pedestrian. The defense has been okay. Uh, they're probably a little better. I mean, they've been unlucky. They're nine and twelve, and they probably should be like twelve and nine. Uh, they've had to win some close games, but and then maybe they'll flip this around. But I kind of thought they would be better than they are. Yep, uh, Toronto was also my pick, uh, narrowly ahead of the Wizards, the Timberwolves, teams I didn't think would be good and are even worse. Uh, the Raptors, <laughs> I didn't think would be good. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, maybe it was a little too much faith in Nick Nurse uh, because of the way last year amid injury and whatever happened with the roster. I mean, they lost Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green. It just seemed like, oh, they kept humming. Nurse had him defending creatively in different ways and found something all the time. And, okay, yeah, they're losing Serge Ibaka, Marcus Gasol. They'll figure something else out. Well, it's a little harder to keep figuring it out. Uh, the centers they've got to replace uh, those bigs haven't really played well. Aaron Baines hasn't. Alex Len already got cut. Uh, yep. Pascal Siakam has not really uh, bounced that, back. That's disappointing and uh, distressing long term. That's the that to me that's the big one that he hasn't bounced back and been the guy they're banking on him to be. Uh, he has been good, not great. You yep. know, he, he's yeah, he's not been. Look, last year he was an all star. I doubt he's an all star right now. Um, and they need him to not just be an all-star. I think they, they're begging on him to develop into an all-NBA level player, and he has just – he's just not been that guy. Um, and I, I guess the question is, is that – is this just a, a one-off, or is there something more there? Is, is this a bigger, longer-term issue? I mean, he, he made the all-NBA second team, I believe, last year, and, and we don't even think he's going to be an all-star or that close. Yeah, exactly. He did make all-NBA last year. That's a good point. Um, yeah. Um, at the beginning of the year, like you thought he could get on MVP ballots the way he was playing. And uh, it's been a tough drop. He's not shooting as many three-pointers, not shooting them as well. I think that's connected. I wonder if he's lost some confidence in his outside shot. Uh, he, he's still a very good, helpful player. He can defend. Uh, he's improving as a distributor. Uh, but if he doesn't have that shooting element, it really caps his ceiling. It does. It absolutely does. Um Beyond that, uh, 
you know, they, they, this is is Kyle Lowry. I mean, do you, I guess the question becomes if you're Masai Ujiri, and I, I still think he, you know, he is the biggest free agent this summer right now, isn't he? Like now, now that Giannis and Paul George and everybody oh, else is off the table, Kawhi. I, Kawhi's technically there, but I don't. Just talk to people. I don't, and maybe it's just because I'm in LA. Uh, the sense is he's going to resign. Um, that he we pushed too hard to get here. They like where the team is now. Um, if he resigns with, the, but I don't. I guess the question is, do I, I you start to think ahead of, of Kyle Lowry just because of age? Yeah, but do you think if you're Masai Ujiri now, are you thinking, hey, maybe I move Kyle Lowry? Maybe it's time to start really start thinking about building this thing towards the future, or are you a buyer? Are you thinking now Bradley Beal's not available? I'm not sure what kind of real midseason game changer is available that's really going to help them. But do you go into next offseason thinking, hey man, we need to be buyers because we still got time with this roster to win as is? Or is it Kyle Lowry's 34 and he's on the wrong side of the curve, and maybe we just need to start building this thing a different direction. Well, Masai Ujiri seemingly thinks about trading Kyle Lowry all the time. Like over <laughs> the years, he's almost he's always almost been traded. I don't see why now would be any different. Uh, a lot of it just depends on the offers you get. I mean, look at winning the title a couple years ago, but Masai and the Raptors, the ability to do whatever they want, go whatever direction they want. It's fun to see a competitive team like the the honeymoon, the victory lap they they took last year was fun, right? They they were better than a lot of people thought they would be. Uh, they weren't quite on that elite level without Kawhi Leonard, but it was still enjoyable to watch, and they could continue that. Like, I do think this team will be feistier going forward if they have uh, Kyle Lowry the rest of the season. Uh, but they could also flip him if, if they can get good assets, and buying would be – it just depends on what the price is, I think, because this is a team that could go either direction. And so if you can buy cheap, if they're – if there are helpful contributors available and you don't have to give up much, sure, go for that. Or if a team is offering just a ton of future assets for Kyle Lowry, sure, go for that. Or if you don't have good offers on either end and you just want to keep this group together and see what they can figure out, I think that's fine too. Uh, all fair questions. Uh, did OG Ananobi take enough of a step forward for you? I mean, I think he's been better, but I don't think he's been maybe where they were hoping he would get to. Uh, oh, I, I think that's a, I mean, I think he's been better. I, I, I'm impressed yeah. with the track record he's on. He, he's a very good defender. Yeah. I'd uh, say he's an elite defender still. So yeah. Contributing offensively. Uh, you know, I, I do think there's still even more room for improvement, but, uh, if I were the Raptors, I'd be, I'd take it like, yeah, it, it might not be exactly everything I dreamed and hoped of, but I'd take it. Yeah, he's been efficient offensively. The other guy who's played really well, Fred Van Fleet's been fantastic, and not just because he dropped 54 the other night, but he has been quality for them night in and night out this season. Probably their best player at this point. Uh, did, yeah. I thought he deserved all-star consideration last year. I think he does again this year. Uh, you know, there's only 12 slots. He, I think even in the East, he's going to be you know, near the edge of that, but definitely deserves this year especially very strong consideration. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so this comes back to the question we've asked about everybody now. They sit um, actually not that far back. They're 10 seed. Like if, if, if this happened today, they would actually be playing they're, they'd be playing the Knicks in the first game. They, they'd be in, and I think that their position is going to be better than it was, right? Like I think that they – I expect them to be getting in a better groove probably, and I don't think that they're going to be – struggling on both ends the way they have so far this season forever, right? Like, uh, well, I guess struggling on both ends, uh, the offense has been pretty pedestrian. The defense is still top 10. It's just not elite. And that's part of it is you got rid of Marcus and Serge Ibaka. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to miss those guys. Those guys are, those guys are anchoring good defenses in Los Angeles as we speak. You know, I, I do feel pretty good about the Raptors getting the playoffs. Uh, they could get into the yeah. top six. I think they're, you know, passing uh, New York, Cleveland, Charlotte, Atlanta is very feasible. Uh, and if not, I, I think they'll be the, the best team in the play in and, and have a, yeah. a chance of getting in that way. I agree. I, I think that they stand a pretty good chance of making it in. And 
at that point, I don't know that you break it up. I also, like I said, I, I'm curious how Masai Ujiri not having a contract that we know of for next season plays into, I don't know that it plays into his decision-making though, right? Like they would take him back in a second. He can kind of play it however he wants to play it. And um, he could, I don't think he's necessarily using that leverage just to try to get a better contract as much as I don't know that he knows what he wants to do next. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's strange he hasn't signed that extension. Yeah, it is, and I don't know that. Look, there are I don't want to say twenty nine other teams that would sign him because it's not like they're going to bump RC Buford or something. Like, but there's a lot of teams, a lot of good teams would be lined up to to sign him if he wanted to move on and try some be somewhere different. Um, or you know, he certainly has aspirations in terms of um, basketball without borders and and having a, an influence internationally with uh, spreading the game and, and spreading stuff that, that he might want to move on to full time. Although I would think being a team president gives you a certain leverage in that market as well. So uh, we'll, we'll see what he ends up doing. He's uh, it is, it is one of the things to really watch with Toronto because he has done such a good job building that franchise up over the years. All right. Dan, sure. Go ahead. Hey. He's one of the best executives in the league. Uh, I mean, you, you've hit the nail on the head that uh, we should be paying a lot of attention to Messiah Jiri as a potential free agent, uh, especially in this weak free agent class. Uh, you know, yeah. players are what drive the league, but the number of players in this free agent class I'd rather have than Messiah Ujiri as my top executive is short. Yeah, it, short if, yeah, I'd say it used to be bigger, but like we said, all the all the guys you were thinking of in that kind of way resign, re- re-signed, not all of them, I mean, yeah, if you can poach Kawhi Leonard or something, but in general, uh, I don't, I don't know that there's going to be that kind of movement, and and so, you know, you know, he can always sign in Washington to decide if he wants to trade Bradley Beal. That'll be, um, <laughs> or build around him. I don't know that he's going there though. Um, we'll see what happens. Dan, thanks for doing this, man. Uh, hope stay safe. Hopefully, uh, hopefully things will be improving in Michigan and soon. You can get back to going to Pistons game. Although I don't know if I want to wish that on you right now. Uh, you know, they got visiting teams coming in too to watch. I, uh, <laughs> I'd like to be back there. Yeah, I know. I, I, I've been going to a handful of uh, Lakers and Clippers games out here, not as many as I normally do. But um, and part of that is that I feel like I haven't been in a while because they've both been on the road for the Grammy trip for the Grammys that didn't happen. Um, but uh, um, it's it just – it's not quite the same, and I look forward to – I. I miss the interaction, not just with fellow media members, but particularly with people from teams that you just don't see now when you go to games. So um, hopefully we will be back. Fans will be back in the stands and, uh, you know, we can get back to heckling LeBron James as fans are supposed to do. So um, <laughs> thanks, everyone, for listening. We will be back next week with more of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.